just invite his presence to have his will and his way in our lives. Amen? Lord God, we're so thankful. We're thankful that we can gather together to be a family uh, under this wonderful umbrella of your love. And we're so, so thankful, Lord, that we can open our hearts to your word of truth, that you can lead and guide us. You give us wisdom and understanding that's beyond our ability. And so we're thankful for that as well. And we just pray, God, that as we honor you in song, in prayer, and as we share together in communion, that you will be lifted up, that you will be glorified in our midst. Uh, we know that you continue to pour out your love to us. Uh, may we respond like, uh, like you in also pouring our love out to you. We just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Are you ready to celebrate uh, and just sing a hallelujah with us today? All right. Two people are ready. <clears throat> well, that's, that's a good place to start, where two or three are gathered. That's what they say anyway. So we're going to get some songs going here. Your love is amazing, steady and unchanging. Your love is a mountain firm beneath my feet. Your love is a mystery, while you gently lift me. When I am surrounded, your love carries me. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Your love makes me sing. Hallelujah. Your love is surprising, I can feel it rising, all the joy that's growing deep inside of me. Every time I see you, all your goodness shines through, I can feel this God song rising up in me. Hallelujah, 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 your love makes me sing. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, your love makes me sing. Hallelujah, 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 your love makes me sing. Hallelujah, 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 your love makes me sing. Yes, you make me sing. Lord, you make me sing, sing. How you make me sing Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah Your love makes me sing Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah Your love makes me sing Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah sing how you make me sing hallelujah lord god we're so excited to be here to just sing to praise your holy name thank you for that privilege lord for a place that we can do this a place that's been designated for you 
and for the family of God to just join together, to become one, to be able to love one another, lift each other up, but Lord, most of all, to honor and worship you. Thank you for this time. Thank you that we can, in all circumstance, sing hallelujah, knowing that you're with us and you're always guiding us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Sometimes it's hard to see him in the midst of the strife and the suffering. And we need to ask a little help. And I believe the Holy Spirit is here to help you if you're struggling with that, seeing God's love and understanding his, his, his presence. Uh, there's a strange psalm that says, Open the eyes of my heart. And it seems kind of strange because we always think with our minds, Open my eyes, Lord, so I can see in a rational way. But this is more than that. This is a spiritual connection. This is an opening of your spirit to see and sense and know his spirit and his love. So let's sing this song together as well. And, and just pray that God will do that for you this morning if you're hurting. eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. See you high and lifted up, shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power and love as we sing, Holy, 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 I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. See you high and lifted up, shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power and love as we sing, holy, holy, holy. To see you high and lifted up, shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power and love.
take time to honor you with our tithes and our offerings, we must say a word of thanks for your provisions this last year. It's such a joy to know that while, yes, things have been tough, there's certainly been financial burdens and stresses on life with different things having gone chaos expenses, and all those things. Lord, your faithfulness and and the faithfulness of this family have been tremendous. It's with joy that I can say thank you, Lord, for providing to know that we ended a year not in the red, but in the black. It's like, wow. That's a miracle. And, And I know, Lord, your hand was upon it. You are certainly the one who does miracles. But, Lord, you use people to do it. And so once again, Lord, I just give thanks for the privilege it is to give, that we can honor you with tithes, we can honor you with our giving, supporting missions and missionaries across the world, supporting the mission of this church in our community. Lord, we just give you thanks for that. And I pray a blessing on each and every one that's participating today, whether here in person or online, however it may be, Lord, Put a blessing upon them, I pray, as only you can, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As we continue to sing, you're welcome to join in the offering. Offering plates are in the front, and of course, the app is available online as well. Let's sing more about God's love, shall we? It's kind of a theme today. Jealous for me, loves like a hurricane. I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. When all of a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory, I realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me oh how he loves us so oh how he loves us how he loves us so oh how he loves us so how how he loves us how he loves us so Yes, He loves us all. 
Yes, He loves us. Oh, how He loves us. Oh, how He loves us. Oh, how He loves. We are His portion. He is our prize. Drawn to redemption by the grace in His eyes. If grace. Take a few moments and consider the love of God, okay? We're just going to take a little break right now. It's so easy to just get caught in a rut of letting people pray for us, let people sing for us, and and lead us in all we do. I'm just going to give you a few moments to have you time with God. Don't worry if it seems awkward or strange or too silent. Let's just take a few moments, okay? It's time for you to say what's on your heart. Just for a few minutes.
I, I pray that you're hearing him. I pray that you hear his voice today. I don't know what I would do if I couldn't hear his voice. I would be so lost. I I couldn't be your pastor. I couldn't lead. I couldn't say anything that was smart or worthy. I suppose people fake it sometimes. I, I really try with all of my spirit to not do that. I want to say what God wants me to say. I want you to hear what he wants you to hear. And that's only made possible if I listen. I believe God has a word for you today. And it centers around one word, and it's simply this, love. He stirred my heart this last week. It's been a difficult couple weeks. And all that he would share with me is the importance of love. When I pray, I've said this in studies, I've said this in Sunday school, I've said this at times when I'm preaching. My prayers are very lopsided. I've never really timed it, but I probably would pray and use my words 20% of the time in my prayer time. Maybe 20%. It might be less. Because I really do sit and simply listen. I want to, I want to encourage you to do more listening. More listening, less words. Here's a song that's teaching us, preparing us to remember the supper that Lord gave. It's about his sacrifice. What was that all about? It was love. It's all about love. You need to embrace that today. Hear his voice. Hear his love expressed by his spirit. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that He should give His only Son to make a wretch His treasure. How great the pain of searing loss The Father turns His face away As wounds which mar the Chosen One Bring many sons to glory 
Behold the man upon a cross My sin upon his shoulders Ashamed I hear my mocking voice Call out among the scoffers It was my sin that held him there Until it was accomplished His dying breath boast in anything, no gifts, no power, no wisdom, but I will boast in Jesus Christ, His death and resurrection. Why should I gain from His reward? I cannot give an answer, but this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom. Why should I gain from His reward? I cannot give an answer. This I know with all my heart His wounds have paid my ransom Now with men. 
crowns you reign victorious high and lifted up Jesus Son of God the darling of heaven crucified worthy is the Lamb worthy For the cross, Lord, thank you for the price you paid, bearing all my sin and shame. In love, you came and gave amazing grace. Thank you for this love, Lord. Thank you for the in your cleansing flow now all I know your forgiveness and embrace worthy is the Lamb seated on the throne crown you now with many crowns you reign victorious Worthy is the Lamb Worthy is the Lamb Worthy is the Lamb Worthy is the Lamb The darling of heaven so worthy, so worthy of the Lamb that was on the cross. Words can hardly express that to you. Thank you, Lord, that uh, you're here. We thank you for your love. And Lord, as you just embrace your love around, your arms of love around us right now, let us just receive that, God. We just thank you, Lord. The Lord is just speaking to our hearts right now. I pray that you would just open your heart to that, whatever he is speaking to you right now, that you would respond to it. He's calling you to some kind of action. I pray that you would heed that. If you 
If you have any kind of a need right now, whether it's physical or or um, provision or just direction, whatever it may be, if you have a need right now, and the Lord puts it on your heart right now, I'd like for you to be bold and maybe just step out into the aisle right now if you have that. If you think of something like that, I pray. And as people step out there, if you see somebody out there, feel free to, the Lord's directing you that you would put your, you would pray for them, pray for them. Or if you just simply want to raise a hand, that's fine. But for a moment, let's pray for our, our brothers and our sisters out there. Whether you're here in person or if you're online, the Lord knows where you're at right now. I pray, God, that you will just do that. I pray, Lord, you see the needs around here, whether... It's hands or whatever. If they're out in the aisle, I pray, Lord, that you would just do that, Lord. If you have your hand raised right now, just totally receive what it is that God has for you. Lord, I pray that you will minister to these people, God. You see these needs. You see what's happening. You see the needs, Lord. Whatever your wisdom, whatever your direction is, I pray that you would do that. And whatever they need to do and the act, however they, they, if you call them to action, I pray that you would do that. Pray for provision, pray for health, whatever is happening, God. You know what they are. And Lord, each one of us, if we have names and different things are put on our hearts, I pray, God, that we would remember to pray for them throughout this week. We want to see your spirit just pour out upon these things. We want to hear testimonies of things, of salvation, of healing, of provision. These things, Lord, that will encourage one another, God, and give you the glory because it's you. It is you, God, that will lead us and direct us in these ways. Let us be just live completely by your spirit, God, in how you, you would provide for us, Jesus. We thank you for that, God. We thank you for the excitement. We, and, and Lord, we're just so excited about what you're going to do. Pour out your spirit upon this community, God. And touch people, Lord. And bring them to you. We thank you for all these things, God. We thank you, Jesus. Now, pray, Lord, I pray that you would be with us for the rest of this, this service. And let us just be open to however... Pastor Kevin brings forth the word. Whatever you've given him, let us just be listening to your spirit and how you would direct us, God. And if you call us to action, to love one another, I pray that you would have us do that, God. Lord, to be bold. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. What a wonderful time of worship. I'm going to turn it over to Pastor here, and he's gonna he's gonna lead us in a communion, and from there. So, thank you. Is this working okay? Testing. Hey, there we are.
Thank you for worshiping the Lord together with all of us today. Uh, Let's take some time to just consider his sacrifice as we have already done so in song. And let's look to the word of God and be encouraged. If you don't have your emblem already, uh, could you raise your hand if you would like to partake? If you don't have one and you need one? Okay, there's one over here. Uh, Where are the baskets? Are they up here? They're in the back? Someone will get that to you. Thank you. I encourage you to participate with me today in honoring the Lord's sacrifice as we consider what he's done for you out of love. And for those that are children, I would leave that to the adults in your life to uh, decide whether or not you're prepared or ready to be able to receive with us today. But we want you to honor the Lord with us today if you are willing. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning with verse 17, it says, In the following instructions, I did not commend you because when you came together, it was not for better, but for worse. And so there's correction happening in the early church with how they received communion. And it was because they weren't honoring the Lord, but they were coming to get full, (laughs) to get a meal out of the deal. Kind of like going to dinner church, I suppose, and then eating everybody else's portion. So that would be kind of rude. You know, let everybody have a plate, then go back for seconds, right? Amen. Uh, So that was kind of a strange thing happening during communion. But every time they gathered, there was food, and so every service was communion and remembrance. And so that's kind of an odd thing because we set aside once a month just a small portion of what we do in that celebration. I'm going to jump down uh, to the instruction then. And where, where we pick that up is with verse 23. And I find this very curious because in my mind, I want to think of Jesus at the table with his disciples, offering the cup after having given them the bread, breaking it and saying, this is my body. I want to think of that when I read Paul's words, but Paul wasn't there. Isn't that curious? Paul wasn't actually at the table. He was a Pharisee, up and coming, who was actually against Jesus. And when the church began, he tried to shut it down. So when is it that Paul experienced the Lord's Supper with the Lord? I don't know. That's what's curious about this passage. And so here's what I'm going to say about his instruction. His instruction was as inspired as if you were the one giving it. You weren't sitting at the table with the Lord along with the other disciples, the twelve, and possibly others who may have been present along with Mary and a few other ladies. You, you were not there, neither was Paul. And yet he can say with confidence, I received this from the Lord. And you can as well. I believe it's important to recognize some of those similarities in our faith walk. We have the tendency to elevate people and say, oh, but, but that was Paul. He was a very special person. Is he more special than you are? You are the same. I want you, I want you to understand that. There are certain obligations and responsibilities we all have with what we're called to do. I have a different responsibility as a follower of Christ in the areas of teaching and in the areas of preaching God's word and sharing it in a public manner. Not everybody's going to do this. However, the godly living side of what it means to be a follower of Christ is the same for you as it is for me and for me as it is for you. 
And so he says these words, I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, the Lord, that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He says that almost as if he was there in person, but he wasn't there in person. Somewhere along the way, he received communion just like you have. And he understood it was from God and it was honorable to him. And so he's giving the instruction to his uh, readers, which is now us. And so let's pray over the bread and what it represents. It represents the beatings and the, the, the stripes that brought healing ultimately. Why? Because my sin needed to be punished. I should have been the one beaten. I should have been the one on the cross. I should have been the one that died in my sin. But had I done so, I would be lost for eternity. Because I was not perfect. I was not the lamb who can take away the sins of the world. Jesus is the lamb. The one without sin took my sins. And his body was broken because of me. And because of you. Let's pray over this, shall we, as we remember his sacrifice. Lord, we were not deserving of this. This is not something we can earn. This is something you planned even before you created the world. Your word tells us it's so. While we were yet sinners, you died for us. As Isaiah 53 declares, by your stripes we are healed. We are able to break a broken relationship with you, Father God, through the sacrifice of the Son, Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Thank you for what this bread represents in the brokenness of your body, which brought our salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, it's one thing to be set free from prison. It's another thing to be holy. You can have somebody stand in your place, but you're still the person that needs more. (laughs) You still need a miracle. And so the wine represents the blood of Christ, which represents his holiness, which causes you to receive his holiness upon your life. Now, I'm I'm really close to spilling this because it doesn't want to let go. This is scary. Oh, boy. Come on, come on. Don't you love being human? It's fun. <laughs> I'm just getting old. I thought you were going to say it was because I was a Vikings fan, but that's almost the same thing, right? Okay, I'm spilling it because I can't get it to separate. That is strange. Anybody else having trouble with their cup? We do have more on order, by the way. These are getting beyond repair. That is really weird. Thank you. You are awesome. You want to take that thing? Yep. Oofta. <laughs> I messed up my pr- pretty little announcement sheet. <laughs> you won't, I'm not even going to go there. Never mind. Okay, let's get back on track. You're not good. Neither am I. You are not holy. Neither am I. You are not righteous. Neither am I. Jesus is. He is all of those things. So 
How can we be good? How can we be holy? God says, be ye holy as I am holy. Well, that's the miracle of salvation. That's the born-again experience. That is the presence of the Holy Spirit within, which causes us to be his temple. You are able to be considered righteous through the blood of Christ. Spotless, without wrinkle, white as snow. And of course, you know I love snow, so that's a fun one to say. Let's pray over the cup and what it represents for our salvation, shall we? Lord, I know it's not enough to be set free from the bounds and the bondage of the sin. We also must receive your holiness to be considered pure before you. And that is what the blood represents in our salvation. The atoning sacrifice was more than just the moment. It's for eternity. And we thank you for salvation which comes through Jesus Christ our Lord. That we can walk in holiness. That we can be righteous. We are on the path of sanctification because of what this cup represents. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I am going to share just a couple announcements. Uh, the kids, are there kids to be dismissed? Or are they already gone? We just got one or two. You are dismissed for Kids Church. Thank you so much for taking time to prepare and be ready to share with our children. God bless you guys as you have a great service downstairs. And while they're going... I am going to share an introduction, an inspirational word I believe that God has given me. And I'll do this before I actually read the text. Uh, before I do that, just quick announcements. There's no office uh, schedule for this week. We do have our minister's connection in Butte and uh, Pastor Doug and Beth and me and Tina will all be heading over to Butte for those days, and we won't be back till late Wednesday. So the office is closed until Thursday, in case you're wondering about that, why no one answers the phone, no one's home. Well, we're, we're all gone, and <laughs> so that's the reason for that. Um, don't forget about the Speed Delight fundraising going on right now. You can sure buy some goodies and help support the missions and all the other uh, type of things that you need to know are in the bulletin. I will say, don't forget about the annual business meeting next week. Okay. I've been told by religious leaders, friends, family, from my childhood and on, that Jesus knows how it feels to go through the challenges that life brings. I've been told that he knows exactly how I feel because he took on human flesh and walked this earth just like me. I've even told others the same thing on more than one occasion. I've come to realize that that is not true. Sure, Jesus walked the earth in human form while also being God, but he most certainly did not walk the earth just like me. Let me explain. Jesus doesn't know what it's like to experience 
the trauma of addictions. He doesn't know what it's like to sink into the deepest pit of depression. He doesn't know what it's like to go through a divorce or the emotional challenges of what it's like to be married, for that matter. As God, he certainly knows, feels, understands our pain because he is God. But as the word who became flesh, he did not walk through these things in his humanity. The darkness we face and the darkness we feel is most often of our own making. Jesus, he knows what it's like to be hated, betrayed, rejected, beaten. He experienced more than we know from the sinfulness of others towards him. But he never experienced the destructiveness of his own sin. Jesus was and is sinless. So when you cry out to God in your anguish, in your grief, you scream that he just doesn't know what it feels like, and to some degree you're right. He never had to climb out of that pit of depression. He never had to break the chains of addictions. He never sought forgiveness for causing irreparable harm to another. He always did it right. So the question I have to ask is this. Do we just cast him aside because he doesn't understand our pain? On the contrary. We need to look at his life more closely to see how he avoided those pains. You know, he actually gave the secret to his own success. Love. You may recall when he was asked by a Pharisee, what the greatest commandment was. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul. He didn't stop there. He said, and the second is very much like the first. Love your neighbor who is like yourself. And then he said something most unfathomable, borderline crazy. If you do these two things, you'll be perfect. What what does that mean? You'll be complete, yes. But he was literally implying you will be sinless. How, How is it that Jesus was able to live in this life in such a way that he never sinned? Because he always put you first. He always put his mother first. He always put his father first. He always put his brother, his sister, his best friends first. He always put everyone first. And most obvious of all, he always put Father God first.
If you really think about it, every time you've sinned, every time you failed, every time you fell short, it's because you put you first. You chose you. Can it really be that simple? Well, simple doesn't mean easy. What does that look like? Well, that kind of looks like taking your cross every day. First Corinthians 13, verse 1 through 13. Let me tell you what perfection looks like. Let me tell you what sinlessness looks like. Let me tell you what Jesus looks like from the inside. Think about Jesus when I say these words. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong, a clanging cymbal. Is there anyone in this world that ever spoke more angelic than Jesus? More godly than Jesus? If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that as to remove mountains, by the way, Jesus said you could do that with the faith of a mustard seed, but I have not love, I'm nothing. If I give away all I have and I deliver my body up to be burned or crucified, if you will, but have not love, I gain nothing. What is this? What, what does this look like? This is, this is what it looks like. Love is patient. Is there anyone more patient than Jesus? Love is kind doesn't envy, doesn't boast, it's not arrogant, it's not rude, it does not ex- insist on its own way, it's not irri- irritable or resentful, does not reject a, at wrong, rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love hears all things, love believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Jesus, the sinless one, loved every moment of his life. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. What are all these things? These are religious things that happen. They are not the most important thing. The miracles that he performed were not the most important thing. The wise words that everyone sought after, wanted to understand deeper things of God, they were not the most important thing. The most important thing Jesus ever did on this earth was love. Because if he didn't love, all of those words were meaningless. All of those miracles led to nothing. All of those things were only a a, a facade that wasn't real or wasn't true. But he did love. He loved purely and perfectly. We know in part, we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the complete, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child. I reason like a child. What is that? That's very selfish. Children need to be selfish as they grow. They can't sit there in their mother's arms and get hungry or have a messy diaper, if you will, and just go, oh, no big deal, Ma. It's all about you. 
No, children's going to go, yucky. They cry. Why? Because they're hungry. They need something from you. They want. And as they age, you hear the words come out of their mouth. I want, I want, I want. Gimme, 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 gimme. That's childish. Something miraculous happens on the way of the cross. Something miraculous happens in the salvation of that soul. Something happens that's beyond human ability. When that person becomes a born-again believer, they no longer say, gimme, 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 I want, I want, I want. It's all about me. It's how I feel. It's how I, it's how I get in this world. It suddenly becomes something different. It becomes like, Lord, what can I do for you? How can I bless you? How can I bless my neighbor? How can I bless my family? How can I do it better for the kingdom of God? When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. What does that say? This is not just a physiological growing up. This is a born-again believer that's become a follower of Christ. When I grew up, I realized my life wasn't about me. I realized it wasn't about what I want. I became a man. A true follower of God. Now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. What's it about? It's about that love of God, that relationship. One day we will see him in all his glory. Now I know in part, I don't know everything, but I do know enough to follow him. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully even as I have been fully known. God knows me. I hardly have scratched the surface of knowing him. So now faith, hope, and love abide, but these three, the greatest of these is love. You can live through the impossible. You can walk in the unfathomable. You can do things that are beyond your own comprehension if you choose love. You can do more than you think you can if you choose love. The secret to success of marriage? Love. What is love? Well, it's these wonderful butterfly feelings I get inside that make me just ooze like syrup. Ew. Gross. No. Yuck. That's too much hallmark right there. That's not love. What is love? Love is, it's not about me. It's about her. And I don't do it very well. I need to get better. We all do. John three sixteen. He chose love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into 
the world to condemn the world. But in order that the world might be saved through him, whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. People love darkness rather than light because their works are evil. Everyone who does wicked things hates the light, does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Jesus did not come to this world to condemn the world. That's the world's perception. They hate what Jesus stands for. They use him as a cuss word. They don't understand he didn't come here to condemn. He came because of love. He came to save us from our sins. John 15, verse 13 Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Romans 5, verse 8. While God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We know this. This is ABCs of following Christ. This is simple. I want you to understand how Jesus was able to live his life and not know what depression is not from experiencing it himself. I want you to understand that he doesn't know what it's like to carry the guilt of bringing harm to another because of his own sinfulness. He doesn't know what that's like to have to break an addiction that got a hold of him in such a way that at first it was just a good time, it was just something for fun, just a little bit of pleasure, not, a, not too much, but it became something that was overwhelming and uncontrollable. Jesus doesn't know what that feels like because he never did anything for himself. He always did everything for someone else. Always. He didn't have to struggle through those things because he chose Father God. That doesn't mean he doesn't feel your pain as God. He is bigger than what we can fathom. He, he has an understanding that's beyond my ability to truly comprehend. But I want you to know that Jesus didn't go through the, those things. Why? Because he didn't sin. Well, what about the circumstances that I I have growing up and all the harmful things that happened to me? Yes, Jesus knows what that's like. Yeah. He does know what that feels like. He does know what it's like to be beaten. He does know what it's like to be ridiculed and called names by, by the religious leaders that should have celebrated his arrival. They decided rather than celebrate him, let's kill him. He knows what that feels like. He did experience that. He felt the sins of others. So yes, you can embrace that and say, Lord knows what I feel, because he went through it too, and he did. But the things that have come into your life because of your own sinfulness, he doesn't feel that in the same way, because he didn't sin. And the cool factor 
The thing that we need to celebrate is that through Christ, you can choose love over all else as well. You can do it right. Hallelujah. You don't have to be selfish. Was that just for me to go all? You don't have to be full of arrogance and pride. <gasps> I don't know. I, I was just like, woo, this is good. Me and, me and God in the office were having a good time. So I want you to think about this in a different way. He chose love. But what is Christ without love? What is Christ without love? Well, the most obvious answer is he's not Christ at all. Because literally, you can put him in chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, as I did. And you can say it this way. If I am Jesus, but don't love, I am nothing. It's that simple. Jesus spoke with wisdom. He prophesied. He healed many. But if he doesn't love, it's a clanging gong, an irritating, annoying symbol in your ear that you want to slap back and say, stop it? Yeah, that's Jesus without love. Now, if you, if you know 1 John chapter 7, you know that God is love and that the hypothetical trying to grasp this concept is beyond the possibilities of what you can grasp. But I want you to embrace this truth. He did everything miraculous and amazing beyond any other human person in this world while he was still God. But if he didn't love, it would have been for nothing. So what does that say about us? He doesn't care how good we are at being religious. He doesn't care if you can speak and move a mountain by your faith. He doesn't care if, he can, if you can pray and people are healed and, and people hear your testimony and they're born again. He doesn't care about those things if you don't know how to love. We have enough religion in this world that doesn't have love in it. I remember as a 20-year-old, 22-year-old, in a position where I was not meant to be, at least in my own ideas, I shouldn't have been leading a church at that age, but my pastor who hired me resigned. He had to leave, and so there I was, doing what I couldn't do, be a pastor of a church as the lead pastor, just for a time. But I still remember when someone brought me a a VHS, said, Pastor, you need to listen to this. They're really helping me out because I was young, naive, you know, didn't know a whole lot. So they gave me this video of this preacher on TBN. Wow. The first time I ever recall being physically sick because of blasphemy and heresy. I just about threw up, literally. This is not God. Send me your $20 and I can buy my miracle? I got sick. I had to talk to that person. 
They come beep-bopping in, hey, pastor, what'd you think of the video? I said, I hated it. I, the, the look on their face, they were so excited that I was going to go, oh, praise God, hallelujah, let's bring down fire. No, I said, I hated it. I said, that wasn't from God. And they're probably looking at me like, you're a 22-year-old, know-nothing youth pastor, and that's not supposed to be my pastor right now. Who do you think you are? But they were gracious enough to say, oh, I'll have to think about these things. Well, what's the point of it? The point is, this was not about love. This was about making money. This was blasphemy that was hurting the cause of Christ. It was embarrassing to have the same name of Christian on my label, on my personhood, and he was claiming the same? I'm sorry, we're not the same. So yes, I can say with emphasis, it doesn't matter how religious you look and how religious you act and how religious you are. If you do not love, you are a farce. A charlatan. You are not real. That's the word of God. Ouch. Well, what does this look like? Well, Here's an example. I don't have the passage for this. It's not needed. You know it. Someone asked Jesus, hey, how many times should I forgive my brother? The law says three. I'm going to really go all out and say seven because seven's a big number. It's kind of a cool number and kind of a God number. So how about seven times? No, 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 Peter. Not seven times. Seventy times seven. Now, you've got to remember, this is the brother who's offending 70 times, 7 times, and Jesus says, yep, forgive him. That means he's doing it intentionally, Lord. <laughs> you can't make a mistake that many times, can you? I mean, I question if you can do it three times and not be intentional. I'm just saying. So you're telling me that my brother who sins against me 70 times 7, which is obviously intentional and harmful and mean to hurt and to really tear me down and make my life miserable, you say forgive him. Yep. Yeah. Well, what is that? What's another way to say that? That's called love. Now, let me tell you what forgiveness isn't. Forgiveness doesn't condone sin. Forgiveness loves the person while they're in their sin. You correct your brother, but you still love them. It's only possible if you love. Mark chapter 12. Beginning with verse 28. This is what I was referring to before. One of the scribes came and heard him disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, he asked, Which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Basically, you completely love. 
No holding back. No strings attached. And then he continues and answers beyond what the question was. The second is like this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Or better words for that would be, love your neighbor who is like you. There is no other commandment greater than these. The scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said what he, that he is one, that there is no other beside him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding, with all the strength, to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. I'm impressed. I'm impressed by this guy. Who was this guy? Anybody here want to know? I want to know. There's a possibility in my mind, maybe it's Nicodemus. Maybe. I don't know. I want to know. Who is this guy? Because Jesus turns and he says these words. When he saw the answer, he answered wisely. He said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. (laughs) I love that. If you love God and you love your neighbor, you conquer sin. Think of all the commandments that deal with how you look to God. No other idols before him. Look to how the commandments address the sins of mankind towards one another. You don't lie. You don't steal. Why? That's harmful to your brother. That's harmful to the people. You do something greater. You do something better than that. You actually rise above it in such a way that you would never lie to someone because that's a sin to them. And, and, and all of the other sins that are listed, it's all dealing with the realization that you're choosing something else above love. When your life is about loving others, many of your struggles will disappear. You want to have the key to breaking addiction? There it is. Love. You want to have the key to climbing out of your depressed state? Here it is. Love. You want to know how to treat others with more respect without being so harmful with your words and your actions? Love. It really is that simple. Because the less my life is about me, the more fulfilled my life becomes as I walk in his love. It's a mindset. The world is telling you your life is about you. The world is telling you it's all about what you can get out of this life. The world is trying to persuade you to get more, to take more, to find more, to find more joy and pleasure through serving yourself. It's a lie. It's a lie. You want to feel more fulfilled? Love someone. Start there. That means their needs are more important than your needs. And when you can love that someone, love someone else. 
And when you love that someone else, love someone else after that. Until you get to a place where all you do is about loving. And begin to take notice of yourself. To realize when you struggle and when you fail and when you're feeling swallowed up by the world that it's very likely you're starting to look at life through your own selfishness rather than the grace and the mercy of God. When someone mistreats you, calls you names, slaps you, beats you, well, there's certain things and criteria you have to follow. There are legal requirements that we all must abide by in the land, and we are supposed to uphold the laws. And so they are there to protect us. But when you're right to look at someone who has done something illegally and harmful, and they are serving the correct punishment for whatever that is, if it becomes hate to you, you are wrong. You are wrong to choose hate. You should be choosing love. And and that's how you can forgive. I'll never forget having a young lady sit with me and my wife and a couple other leaders as she just poured out her heart. She wanted to come to a place of salvation. But I had mentioned something about forgiveness, that if you cannot forgive, then God cannot forgive you. And she was in turmoil because she was sexually abused by her grandfather and her father her entire life. And I had to look her in the eye and said, yes, you need to forgive them. As the tears streamed down my face, on my wife's face, and all of us as we sat there realizing the hate she carried was separating her from God's love. She needed to let go and let God deal with them, and she needed to forgive. And she cried, and she believed, and she prayed and became the most beautiful follower of Christ in the twinkling of an eye. It did not condone the wrongs that were done. There should be punishment for those things, even criminal, jail time, prison time, etc. But you need to forgive and let God do what God does and love over hate. You've seen it many times. They do special stories and movies about it, but you need to live it as well. If you're holding a grudge against somebody, shame on you. That's not God. That's the flesh, and that's sin. First Peter chapter 4, verse 8. This is the last verse. We're going to wrap it up with prayer. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Man. Is it possible to live a sinless life? Well, let me ask you it this way. Is it possible to choose love every time? Then it's possible. 
Would you stand with me as we close? This altar is open for you to come and just kneel before him, take the front pews, if you will, wherever you're comfortable. If you feel drawn by the Holy Spirit to just lay some things down, I encourage you to come. I want to choose love more faithfully. I got to quit choosing me and choose him. I got to quit choosing me and choose my family, my wife, my daughter, my children, my grandchildren. I don't always do it right. I need to get better. I think we all do. I think we need to learn how to love better. And I believe as we love well, miracles are going to happen. Miracles of salvation. We've had five salvations this year so far that I know of that are through you, through the ministries. I I just celebrate that. I, I just rejoice in that truth. There's many more to come as you love, as you learn how to love. Please don't leave without embracing this. And if you've already grappled with it and you say, yes, Lord, help me, I want to love better. If you haven't been able to deal with it, please come forward and just take some time one-on-one with the Lord. Listen to his Holy Spirit as we close in prayer. Lord God, thank you for, for loving me. Thank you for teaching me how to love. Help us, Lord, to be better at loving to choose ourselves less often and, and maybe to the point where someday we will never struggle with that pride and selfishness again because it's just such a natural thing to just love. Loving is hard. Loving is sacrifice. Help us, help me to love. And as we go into our world, into our mission, mission field, Guide us by your Holy Spirit, I pray. Remind us of this word often. When we have that tendency or the desire to flip to the side of selfish, remind us to choose love. Be our conscience, I pray, to guide us when we struggle. I just just ask this all in your precious holy name. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you go.